everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a chef for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but Foodie married Beast anyway, and together we've got the Food and Wine Variety Show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're still broadcasting from our home bomb shelter, starting month five of being locked away, but still managing to broadcast. And unless the boobs that run this country figure out COVID, we could be here for the next year. But we've got a great show. We're glad to be with you. Um, Nick, before I introduce everybody, you want to just catch people up to what's going on with the list and what they can find there? Absolutely. So if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, you can stay abreast of all the things that are going on in the D.C. metro area, whose patios are open, what they're serving, who's still doing takeaway uh, or starting to do takeaway. Um, Don't forget Bastille Day. The party starts today in lots of area restaurants. There are pop-ups happening all over the place. And there are restaurants that are opening right now all over the D.C. area. Uh, Not as many that should be opening, of course, but you can stay uh, on top of all of it. Just check the list, areyouonit.com. And later in the show, we're going to be talking to somebody who happens to be opening up a restaurant that they've been keeping under wraps later this week. All right, David. All right, so joining us today, an old friend, a good friend, Sebastian Zutant. We call him Sebi. He's true. Uh, he is the uh, proprietor of Primrose. He's also a Ramy nominee for Wine Program of the Year. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm going to kill kill the surprise. He's opening up Barcada Wine Bar at 12th and U in a couple of days. And um, the guy is just a born entrepreneur and also a lovely person. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you. William Asiadu is the founder of the Distant Relatives Project. It's a nonprofit that serves underserved communities, creating opportunities and access to resources, including providing free food and war. The food's prepared by local celebrity chefs. You're going to hear that story. And mm-hmm. uh, because I'm a child at heart, the minute summer rolls around, I think of summer camp. The camps are closed for the summer. And uh, thank goodness, Cook Kits is here. Rebecca Katz is the founder. She's going to talk about all-inclusive weekly cooking projects for kids. For families, you'll hear all about that. And Lisa and Melissa Gerben of Racco, Rayco, sorry, Rayco Coffee Roasters, uh, specialty coffee collective, are going to be on with us. Uh, talk about entrepreneurs. They started this thing themselves. It's flourishing. But Foist, we're going to talk to our old buddy Mitch Berliner from Central Farm Markets. Mitch, are you there? I am indeed. Good morning. Good morning. Listen to those lilting tones. So tell us what's happening at the markets, bud. Well, in a nutshell, in and it's very simply, it's the height of the season. Here's a quick rundown. We have the first peaches, nectarines, raspberries, blackberries, cherries, sweet cherries, black raspberries, three varieties of plums. We have multiple varieties of heirloom tomatoes, cherry heirloom tomatoes. And today, first corn of the season. And the first, I love the shoshito peppers. We have 20 varieties of greens, lettuces, herbs, another very big Big, big, big at Pike only. We have fully cooked hard shell crab. So every Saturday you can come over, you can order in advance, go to centralfarmmarkets.com and you can get hard shell crabs. Very exciting. We've wanted to do that for some time. 
And we our drive-through continues to be a very big success with people order in advance at any one of our three markets. And our market concierges will just pick the food up for you from the various vendors, farmers, artisan food producers, and bring it to your car. You know what you do? You put on a bathing suit, turn on the wave machine, and eat your crabs, and you're, you're almost at the shore. Almost. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then after the police come, I don't know what you're going to do. But okay. okay, so Mitch, why don't you explain to people the different ways that they can uh, get the goods from the farmers markets right now? Because it's not just going to uh, the farmers market, which I mean, I think you should explain to people how it's set up now and yeah, how it functions I will. and the different ways you, you can order. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there are multiple ways you can come to the farmer's market. You can come the way you always did. You just enter the farmer's market, but we've had protocols from day one. Uh, so everybody, market patrons and all the vendors, everybody's masked up. Um, and we have one exit, one exit, one entrance and one exit. And so that's kind of the normal way you shop. And then we also have pre-orders where people could come into the market and have many things pre-ordered. And they could hit 10 vendors stands with their pre-orders and they could be in and out in 10 minutes loaded up. That's another way at all three markets. And then we have the drive-through, as I mentioned uh, a moment ago. Again, you pre-order with each individual um, farmer and you drive through any one of our markets. There's a special lane with signs and we bring, you just hand a piece of paper to our market concierge, they run around to the various farmers and artisan food producers. You pop your trunk, we load it back there. And lastly, um, we have some deliveries and you'll find that on our website, centralfarmmarkets.com. So there are multiple right. ways of doing it. I do <laughs> wanna say um, that people are feeling, you know, in March, April, even the beginning of May, there was a lot of anxiety, but I think people's anxieties is, you know, gone down and people feel more comfortable. Everybody's wearing a mask. We let people in, you know, so they're not on top of each other. So the markets are running very well and there's lots and lots of uh, patrons coming in now. So it's nice. Great. That's terrific. Okay, Mitch, thank you so much for this morning. Tell everybody where they can find you, please. Absolutely. We have three farmers markets in Metro DC. We have one in Northern Virginia, our Nova market. That's Indiana. It's a parking lot of the church of the Holy Comforter. We have our Saturday market, that's on Sundays, that one. Then we have our Saturday market at Pike and Rose on the parking lot of the REI parking lot. And then our flagship market that's been open this our 14th year is the Bethesda Central Farm Market. And that's on the parking lot of the Bethesda Elementary School downtown, also on Sundays, 9 to 1.30. You know, and which, wait, David, market. which market can you get the crabs at? Pike only. Oh, yeah. Pike only, so that's, that's Saturday. Okay, so... Order today for your crabs next Saturday. Exactly. Anybody have any okay. questions, just go to our website, no, I... call us, text us, whatever. All right. Centralfarmmarkets.com. I think, Thank Mitch, you, you should invite President Trump to tour the markets because then he'd have to wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll throw anybody out without a mask. I don't care who they are. Not, I, wouldn't, not I wouldn't let him in. All right. <laughs> Thanks. So Thanks, Mitch. Talk All to right. our friend Sebastian. Zutan Sebi, you're a Rammy nominee for Wine Program of the Year. Yeah. Uh, we met you a thousand years ago when you were some, where, where, I can't remember where it was. Uh, I don't know. Coley. Coley. I Coley. Do. It was Coley. Coley. 
My God, that's that's twenty. Call me when they were still serving pizzas. Yeah, yeah. back in the day wow. when I was young. And now mm -hmm. you're 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 big stuff in the wine world. So first of all, congratulations. Talk Thanks. a little bit about about your background and about how the sort of the the the, the genesis of uh, Primrose. Uh, sure. Um, the genesis of Primrose. So, I mean, I kind of came up through the ranks through DC. Obviously, we already talked about Comey and I, uh, I bounced around a bit. I was at Proof and um, Rossica and um, eventually opened Red Hen. And then when I was at Red Hen, and then we did uh, All Purpose. And then it just kind of, you know, became time for me to, you know, want to do a wine bar. And, and Lauren was with me. And um, so we partnered up for the project. She did an incredible job designing. Um, and it started as a, a French only wine bar, um, but through the kind of, <clears throat> uh, I won't swear, so dookie show that's currently uh, occurring, um, we, we've kind of evolved. Um, I don't really- But want wait, I wanna interrupt because it was a French wine bar. You're in the Brookland area of yes. DC. Yes. Sort of at the time, you know, you're sort of like one of the few who like launched sort of a, that kind of concept in that area. You were a frontiersman. Uh, you, know, you know, a beautiful decor and um, you had elevated food. I mean, it wasn't just wine that you were serving. No, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. Right? We got a nod from, uh, we got a bib gourmand, which is, which is awesome. Uh -huh. um, you know, so to be noticed by Michelin is pretty incredible. Um, but, you know, we've always been pushing in this place. We've always been pushing and trying to do new and interesting things. John, God love him. He's off to Hawaii. I'm going to miss that guy, but he could cook his behind off. Um, uh -huh. So he was a lot of fun to work with. I mean, his talent level was just unbelievable. Um, so we were really blessed to have that kind of going on for a couple of years. Um, and I think because of that, we've been able to kind of cultivate really good talent, um, uh -huh. which is really fantastic. And it's been a really fun project. I mean, you're right. We're up in the middle of nowhere. Um, but that's part of the fun for me too, because that's that was part of Red Hen. Also, it was like I'm going to put this right. where, where nobody goes and feel like you know. I, I love changing neighborhoods, and and Lauren loves changing neighborhoods, and it was really about that. Um, and for people who don't know, Lauren is your ex-wife, and ex -wife she's with Edit, right? Uh, Edit, yep. right? Uh, and well, they do design for area restaurants around the city. They're so. So really talk a little bit about because I mean, clearly you're a wine expert. And clearly, you're you've got an edited selection, but not everybody who comes in there really understands. They're gonna they're not gonna know necessarily the wine menu. So, what kind of I mean, what's the process for for indoctrinating the uh, the uh, the newbies? Yeah, so I mean, my wine programs generally run in the obscure. Um, it's just how I, I roll, you know. For those of you, you that mean like your last name? Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, for those of you that have ever seen me, I still have blue hair um, at the age of 42, and I've had it since I was like 16. So I thought that was genetic, but no, yeah, it's, <laughs> no, it's genetically punk rock. Um, so uh, you know, I, I think that I think that the thing about my wine programs is, even though they're um, sort of like hard to dissect upon, like first first eyesight, um, the staff that that I carry. Um, and that I that I keep with me are always kind of like of the same ilk that I am, you know, like making sure that it's like super passionate, but at the same time education based, but like not to be a jerk off to the point where you're like upsetting people, you know, like I would rather people spend, you know, 20 bucks less on a bottle they're like so stoked about than, you know, have them walk away with like a bad kind of like feeling because they just met some jerk who just upsold them. Um, and or who made them drink Riesling when they didn't like it? Well, you know, <laughs> you did like Riesling that one time. No, she didn't. 
Nice. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> so you have this amazing wine program. We have a minute left. Let's talk about what you're doing for food now at Primrose because we'll yep. take a break and then we come back. Okay. So Oliver Friendly, who is a dear oh, friend. Oh, we know Oliver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Oliver's kind of taking the role here. He's um He's been cooking here for the past month and a half. Um, and Antonio's in the kitchen with Oliver. Antonio was our sous chef um, before and Antonio's working hand in hand with Oliver and Oliver's really kind of like cultivating him to learn how to do actual kitchen management. Um, but okay. he's got really great creativity. So we're in a good situation. Um, and Oliver's very creative and very, you know, very focused and very kind and, and, and is a really real, like a, like a real solid talent in the kitchen. So we're in a, we're in a good situation. We're going a little less French, um, uh-huh. but we're just kind of trying to keep it light and casual and, and fun. Well, that's great. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about um, sort of access to Primrose, like your patio just opened last night. And then your new concept, which is launching on Wednesday. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to our man, Sebastian Zutant. Uh, We were talking about Primrose, but you're opening a wine bar at 12th and U called Barcada. Let's hear about that. So um, Barcada is... Uh, well, it's a, it's a project between uh, my friends Nick and Anthony and I. <laughs> and, Nick uh, and Anthony who? Oh, don't worry about it. Just Nick and Anthony. That's all you need okay. to know. For he right. doesn't want you to know anybody else's last name. <laughs> well, the website says a group of friends got together. I mean, it's really vague. It is very vague. It's, it's Why? Because we're, just, we're not too worried about it yet. Uh, you're going to have to grow up sometime. You know that. Never. Okay. All right. So, anyways, it's uh, yes. me and Anthony, and we, you know, we've known each other for years, and we just know each other through drinking weird wine. I mean, they're just like you guys in the fact that I've known them because they've enjoyed my wine programs, and I've known them since Comey as well. And mm-hmm. you know, they were just kind of into the idea of opening a wine bar. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So they had the space. Twelfth so and you. What's the yeah. space? What was in there? The Menchie's yogurt. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. you should have left the yogurt store in place, but whatever. No, no, no. Okay. But, the uh, design yeah. looks beautiful. Yeah. Did Lauren do the design? No, 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 no. They did it themselves. Okay. Um, oh, it's great. They themselves, so pretty impressive. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be a funky little natural wine bar um, doing weirdo stuff from all over. So how are they going to open it? Is it going to be patio only? Are you going to do to go? Like, what's how's gonna that going to work? Uh, we're going to only do patio for um, for a while. So we'll see. Okay. We'll see kind of what it, what happens. But uh, mm-hmm. right now we're just trying to be as safe as possible, trying to keep people as, as, as healthy and happy as possible. All right. Listen, well, you got people to keep healthy on both sides. You have your customers to keep healthy, and then you have your employees to keep healthy, you know? Exactly. So everybody well, I've heard, the, I've heard that blue hair keeps everybody healthy. So tell everybody where Primrose is and where Barcada is going to be. Uh, Primrose is 3000 12th Street, Northeast D.C. Nope. In Brooklyn. Brooklyn, yep, exactly. Yep. And mm-hmm. Arcata is 12th and U Northwest DC. So both restaurants are on 12th streets. One's just in Northwest. The other one's in Northeast. All right. Well, congrats, man. That's Thanks. awesome. God bless. So next time we see you, I want that head on straight. Uh, <laughs> this is straight. Okay. <laughs> All right. I love you guys, Dad. All right. So, bye, bye. So our next guest, I, I've never met, but I can tell you he has a heart of gold. His he name does. is William Asedu and... Uh, we heard about him through AJ. Nikki, why don't you tell the story and then we'll get William. So for those of you who who are regular listeners, um, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, AJ Johnson on the show. Uh, She is a bartender extraordinaire, but she also uh, is very involved with the black lives movement and was doing all these fundraisers at her bar, Serenada, 
to raise funds uh, for uh, Black Lives Matter. And, uh, but she also wanted to raise funds for other organizations that were really important to her. And she is the one who introduced me to William because William's organization is very close and dear to her heart. And once I got on the phone with William, I was like, we have to tell more people about this organization. (laughs) So William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, William. So William, you founded the Distant Relatives Project and uh, we're gonna let you talk about it. But in general, it's a nonprofit helping underserved communities with everything from food access to uh, med- medical care to mental health care to the works. It sounds massive. Like you, yes, sir. Around. So, first of all, tell us a little bit about you. How did how did you get from there to here? From there, okay. So, I grew up in the church. You know, um, been doing a lot of community service with my church, uh, and then I got to a point as I got older that I just wanted to do things to the extent that I wanted to do. I had this belief that if you're going to do somebody something for someone, you should do it to the extent that you do for yourself. So. As a, as a youth growing up in the church, we would give out the bologna sandwiches with bread. Um, it's a kind gesture, but still, I just feel like if you're gonna do something, do it from a place where you'd accept it yourself. So as I got older and I got a little bit more power, a little bit more educated, I decided to just start this community service outreach, but rather involve the community. And that's where the Distant Relatives Project started. Um, we started out with just food and haircuts, and then that evolved into an array of services from health insurance, to medical screening, to COVID testing, to clothing, to mental health assessment, and a bunch of different services. Well, let me ask you a well, question. Because, okay. Well, let me jump in because when you say you're doing all this, you know, and, and people listening, it's like it's up and running. It sounds so automatic, but it must have been quite a journey to get all the resources and all the help. I mean, we started off with that in haircuts. Who, right. who jumped in doing free haircuts? Who jumped in with food? How did, and how where? Did, how did you, and also, how did you set it up? I mean, how did you know where to go to and to tell the people who needed your services where they could get your services? Like, how did you work within the community to educate people where the help was? Um, so I think that's one of the beneficial things about our program. We actually meet people where they're at so they don't have to travel to where we are. You know, it's kind of hard, it's kind of hard for the homeless to travel around the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as people being involved, it was just a matter of influence. Like people were just moved by the power of giving back but not only that, we, we have a, a unique way of making it fun. So um, let me just give you an example. We've had at least 500 volunteers come out in a matter of 10 events that we've had in the past two years, which just goes to say that people want to give back, but they're just looking for the right avenue. Hmm. Well, uh-huh. so what does that look like? So for example, give us a, a, like, where do you go to do haircut? Like it started with the haircuts mm-hmm. and food service. Like where, did, what kitchen did you use? How did you wind up? having all these things in place and how did you raise the funds to do everything to bring more, yeah to bring more in because that's that's the hard part right yes, it's definitely massive um so it's actually illegal to feed the homeless in most major cities in the US but okay. Franklin Square Park which is 1300 I Street um the government's a little lenient so they know that's kind of like a village for the homeless population so um park police uh, secret service everyone is aware that we're usually out there every last Saturday so they kind of permit us to set up in the park so we actually go to Franklin Square Park, which is a small community for the homeless population. Um, to be honest, the first year I invested my savings. So 20,000 of my own money, I invested wow. into this because I believed in it so much. And it's involved into what's going on now. So I, I like to think we're doing the right thing. <laughs> well, you're totally, you're totally doing the right thing. You are totally doing the right thing. So, so let's program, go ahead. You have the Feeding Our Relatives is your program that feeds the, the homeless. But you say that yeah. the meals prepared by celebrity chefs so who, yeah. which chefs and how did you enlist them? So um, 
as far as solutions go, we like to follow a community approach. So we like to get everyone involved. So um, the strategy was just going on social media and just using hashtags like BC Chef, BNB Chefs. And then we reach out to these chefs and kind of uh, throw them a proposition where it's like, uh, we'd offer them a certain a discounted rate. And in turn, um, we'd help with promo and just pushing their brand forward. But a lot of local chefs are interested in giving back. So a lot of them agreed and uh, they we usually just hire them once a month and they are willing to participate in them. So it's just a matter of just- and Do they put together a menu? Is that what they do? Like what what is the role of the chef in this? Do they donate the food? How do they participate? So we actually select the menu. It's actually a 12 course meal. So it's two forms of rice, chicken, fish, vegetables, sweet potatoes, mac and cheese, uh, snacks, water, juice soda, just, just like a Thanksgiving type of um, environment. But the chefs, uh, they play a role in making sure the food is healthy because although we give them food, we want to make sure we're giving them healthy food, food that's mm -hmm. going to gonna benefit them in the long run. So the chefs help with uh, actually verifying the menu that we select and making mm -hmm. sure it's beneficial to the community that we want to serve. And how did you work with other other charities that are doing something similar? Do you guys combine it all or does everybody, do you know what I mean? Because there's, there's yeah. other people who are feeding uh, those who are in desperate need of it. How, how do you work within that? So um, we're always looking to collaborate as long as the mission is about impact. So mm -hmm. we usually reach out to other organizations that have similar missions or similar goals as ours. We also reach out to Howard University, University of Maryland, their health team. They usually come out and pay, uh, pay their time, provide health services, medical screening. So it's all about partnering, collaborating, and reaching out to individuals who share a similar mission and goals as you, and just combining to make a greater impact. You know, so I got to say, you make it sound so easy. I know, you make <laughs> it mean, sound like this is no Hold on a deal. second, because you're providing free health insurance, free health care, mm -hmm. living assistance. And I, we'll, we'll talk about the international stuff you've done <laughs> in a minute. But how do you walk in and, and convince a health care provider? Because they're kind of notoriously... Um, um, how shall I put it? Self-interested. How did you right. get that to happen? Um, so I started out with uh, Howard University and their pharmacy school. Um, they have a lot of transi transitioning professionals who are about to enter the workforce. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them are willing to sacrifice their time and get the experience. So partnering with the universities is uh, was the first step. And then once the hospital saw what we were doing, they started reaching out to me. So we've had George Washington University Hospital. We've had uh, UDC uh, professionals come out. So it's just a matter of getting people to believe in the vision and what it is you're trying to do. And then it's usually, a lot of people are usually willing to come on board. Well, it makes so much sense for the hospitals to be involved because better they get the people before they get to their emergency rooms, right? right. So better to get the healthcare first. Now in this time of the pandemic, how has that changed what yeah, you're doing? Because no. there's still homeless people. So exactly. how are you getting out there and getting socially distanced in front of the people who need it the most. Right, so COVID presents a unique set of challenges. Um, we can't set up in the park no more. We have to practice social distancing. So uh -huh. we've launched a new program where we're actually prepackaging meals, prepackaging toiletries, and then um, we're galvanizing volunteers at least 100 to 200. And then we're hitting every corner of the city, Northeast, Southeast, uh, Southwest, Northwest. I have a list of hotspots, I have a list of shelters. I know where the homeless usually frequent. So mm -hmm. then we, we create no cards, we assign different teams, and then everyone goes out and provides relief. So Because there a, are 10 cities have popped up all over the city. And right. so are those the areas that you go to and deliver? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those areas. And because we develop a relationship with the homeless community, they usually let us know where they're headed. So 
Hmm. Believe it or not, a few of them have phones. I follow a few on Instagram. A few of mm-hmm. them I know where they live at as far as outside. So it's just a matter of maintaining that relationship and just communicating. All right. Well, William, That's we only amazing. have about a minute and a half, but I, I have mm-hmm. to say, you're unbelievable. You oh, built you. a school in a <laughs> community in Ghana. You yes, provided 3,000 free face masks to the, uh, the, you call them the displaced community, let's say the homeless. Yes. Uh, you've, you've helped optimize the, I guess, the, the operations of a nursing home in Ethiopia. Yes, and sir. you annually provide school supplies for 15,000 students in Ghana, Nigeria, Ethiopia, and Jamaica. Yes. So how can we help? So how can, how can people help you continue to grow and, and, and do your mission? Well, first of all, I want to thank you guys because just being on a platform like this exposes us to so many people. And the more people involved, the more impact uh, we can create. So thank you guys. But aside as, aside from awareness, um, volunteering, getting involved, um, also donating your money, that definitely goes a long way with all the projects that we're trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. If you visit our, our, our website, um, we have a list of um, different tasks or different, um, how should I say these pledges that you can take up to help support the organization. So am I right that it's distant-relatives.org? Yes, sir. And then if you want to donate, it's you know, just it's distant.relatives-relatives.org uh, slash give. Yes, sir. Wow. Excellent. You know, well, there yeah, are you... people that call me sir, police officers, when they say, sir, <laughs> do you know how fast you were going? I have, so much, I have so much government experience. So I'm I'll saying. take it. <laughs> well, William, will you please stay in touch with us and let us know what's happening so we can bring you back on as your mission grows and your um, – and your organization grows because it just you're just doing such great work and we want to keep uh, our listening audience abreast of what you're doing i'll definitely stay in contact thank you guys i would today. appreciate it yeah, you're amazing thank you all congratulations right. on all your hard right. work okay this is Nikki Dallas, uh, foodie and the beast we'll be back with cook cooks in just a sec we are back on foodie and the beast with david and Nikki nellis i think i mentioned at the top of the show when i introduced the guests that we're going to be on that when june rolls around probably because i'm still an immature senior citizen I, I think of camp. I love going to Camp Shahola. I went there for five years. It was a blast. But now nobody's going to camp except a couple of kids who are endangering their lives by getting together. A, a, no judgment. No judgment. But somebody else realized that there was no camp. Becca Katz. And with camp closed for the summer and summer days upon us, she created something called Cook Kits to help with families and with kids to occupy them with great cooking activities. Am I right, Becca? That's exactly right. Okay. So the- yeah. Well, keep going. Well, yeah, as you said, you know, the idea was totally born as a solution for um, a summer camp replacement. But, you know, we found that it's not just for the summer or for quarantine. Um, there's always a reason to have a cook kids on hand. And we're really well, excited. Let's, let's start with your background because you have food in your blood. So let's sure. talk about, uh, I mean, we all have food in our blood, but you know yeah, what that I mean. That was like, not a smart the food world. Okay. Nobody asked your opinion, David. <laughs> um, so uh, how did you get into the biz? Yeah, so I um, I recently graduated from culinary school, and um, when my husband and I moved back to the area, we um, a couple months ago, you know, I started thinking about how to combine sort of my passion um, with my new education, along with you know extended periods of time in my house. Um, so you know, enter focus, and we really just started thinking through, you know, what could be a great idea for um, a really great idea for something for kids to do at home with their families. Uh, during again these extended periods at home. Um, so how do you put these? How did you put these kits together? Like what are they, and how are they utilized? Like walk us through it. Sure. 
So um, the Cook Kits, as, as David mentioned, um, are all-inclusive weekly cooking projects delivered to families throughout um, the DMV. They're filled with educational and cooking activities that, you know, specifically have all the ingredients and sometimes the tools that you need uh, to make our themed recipes. Mm -hmm. So like, what's the theme? So some of the themes that we've done so far are uh, popsicles. Um, we've done a kit called uh, Grow Your Own Focaccia Garden. And that's kind of been one of my favorite kits that we've done. Um, it was so much fun to develop. Um, it really, you know, brings out the inner artist in you. Um, and so what comes in the box? What comes in? <laughs> Sorry about that. So when you receive a box, um, and again, you receive it, it's delivered contactless, contactlessly delivered to your doorstep. Um, you open up the box and You've got all of the ingredients. So you've got pantry and fridge ingredients. Um, everything's pre-measured out for you. And then you receive an overview that includes all the recipes. It has a schedule, um, a suggested schedule of how long the activity is gonna take. Um, it has a list of how to get the different um, kids of all ages involved. So, you know, we've got ideas for three to five-year-olds, um, you know, six to eight-year-olds. And up um, because what is great about these kits is that they're great for all ages. Um, you know, whether you've got the parent leading the activity um, and involving the kid in, you know, potentially trying out all the ingredients and smelling and tasting and talking about different textures. And then also, you know, a 12-year-old that feels really comfortable in the kitchen can just go and take off with the with the activity and, and read through the recipe. Well, um, I just want to say this is very timely because. Uh, the the recently and dearly departed Academy de Cuisine used to have a summer camp where kids could go do this. But I got a question because that that's a that's a lot of content to sort of come up with. How far in advance do you work? I mean, what's are you planned out through the end of the summer already? You know, it's so funny. I wish I came up with this idea months and months ago because, as you said, it, it does take a good amount of time um, to to kind of put together. You know, we're we're developing all the recipes. We are um, testing them out. We're doing you know, photos and videos for social media and for um, our tips and tricks that we put on a Facebook group just for the kids. Um, so, you know, they take, I would say, at least two weeks to really, you know, fully put together. Um, but if I had longer, that would be even better. Well, but, <laughs> but you have to be, well, well, hold on a second. you have to be planned out because otherwise, I mean, focaccia would be focaccia, right? <laughs> exactly. He only wanted to say that. that I've been waiting, waiting, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting. Was so that he could say that word. Um, so is it a subscription base? Like, do you, can you buy a la carte? Is it subscription? How does it work? So right now it's a la carte. Um, so we release our kits every, um, it's about every Monday. Uh, and then you'll know that the kits are coming in about three weeks. Um, and that gives them the time to kind of, to know what what you've got um you know coming up and to get excited about the kits as well um mm -hmm. so we um we announce that via social media and on our website and um and right now you can purchase one kit at a time or you can you know purchase two at a time whatever you know whatever's on sale we don't have packages just yet but that is something that we're looking to do for the future because we'd love to be able to offer you know a four pack um that you know someone can can know is coming Right. Now, right now, this is only in the DMV area. So like I couldn't order this for people outside of the DMV area, right? So the actual kit itself, the physical kit is only available for the DMV. However, um, and that's because of the ingredients, you know, we, we right. really pride ourselves on the fact that we're sending, you know, butter and eggs and vegetables for the focaccia garden. Um, but we have something called our digital kits. And the uh -huh. digital kits include 
all of the information that you're getting, the overview, um, as well as access to our uh, tips and tricks on our Facebook group. So they're getting that, they're getting the grocery list. So pretty much, you know, they, they do have to go out to the grocery and, and pick out the different ingredients that you need. But, you know, again, we've given you all of the information to have the kids experience just from a distance. Well, I think that's such a great idea because, I mean, given who knows what's happening with school and who knows what's happening. I mean, not a lot of camps are really full functioning. So there are a lot of younger kids and even tweens and teens at home. It does give them something else to do. And honestly, everybody needs to eat lunch and everybody needs to eat dinner. So why not get the kids in the kitchen to make one of those meals? Right. And that's, what's so fun about these kids is, you know, it's, it's a time that you're spending together and working on this project, but you know, at the end of it, you have something delicious to enjoy. So you're you're really getting to see, you know, the the fruits of your labor, <laughs> if you will. So can, uh, Becca, can people buy past weeks um, uh, uh, kits? In other so, words, yeah, that's a great question. Um, right now, we are just doing the the kit at a time. It's a weekly thing. So next, so in a couple weeks, we have our um, sweet and savory stadium snacks. And then the following week would be our um, epic ice cream Sundays in 60 minutes or less. Um, if somebody was interested in, you know, a path kit, like a cookie dough or the Apache garden, we, you know, we ask that they email us. We're, we're really flexible and we're here to, you know, keep you occupied and keep you deliciously occupied. So if, if right. somebody was interested in that, we definitely, you know, do our best to try. Well, to I guess, I, you know, I know you're only delivering locally, but I think Nikki was thinking about, we have grandkids in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, That's what um, I was thinking. So, I mean, are any of those kits appropriate for us to then take and send on? Or are they really going to be? No, she just explained no, no, how no, no, it no. works. I, no, no. I, yes, Nikki, I can listen. Rebecca, okay. tell me. Some kids. <clears throat> yes. That, along not. along with the digital kits for someone that is local, what would be awesome to do is to let me know that, you know, you are headed to North Carolina or you're headed up to New York. We did this recently. And, you know, I can give you everything that isn't perishable um, and that would be easily transported. And I'd be happy, you know, to work with whoever is interested in that option because um, I think that's great. You know, the fun of it, too, is to be able to open the kit and take out all the items. And, you know, with the cookie dough, we had over, I think, eight or eight to 11 different toppings of chocolate chips and unicorn oh chips God. and marshmallows and mini M&Ms. So, you know, it's the fun of it is also kind of. I, I'm ready to go into the kitchen with Nikki and litigate while we make cookies. <laughs> yeah. <Sounds great. laughs> All right. Um, so can... the next one you said is the ice cream, the ice, David. Hello. Yeah. The next one is the ice cream Sunday one. So how does that work? Like, are we making ice cream or are you breaking yeah. ice cream? Oh, all right. So that one is so exciting. Um, epic ice cream sundaes in 60 minutes or less, completely homemade. So what you're doing is you're starting by making a chocolate bowl that your ice cream is going to be in. Um, and we're going to teach you a little trick on how to do that. Again, super easy and very surprisingly simple, which is cool. From there, you're going to let that harden. And while that's hardening, you're going to work on your ice cream. Um, and this is really fun because this is where, you know, a really great educational trick comes in and, you know, brings sort of the science of, you know, food, which I think is really great to share um, with kids and, and with parents too. So you're going to make ice cream and it's the, the old age trick of ice cream in a bag with rock salt. Um, and we're going to work on that. Um, you're going to shake around your kitchen and, and create some ice cream. And then from there, you're going to make homemade whipped cream, um, sort of, a, you know, similar concept. You're going to shake the cream or whip it, whatever, you know, you're comfortable doing. 
And then you're going to build your ice cream sundae. You're going to take your chocolate bowl, a scoop of ice cream, a dollop of cream, top it with a cherry and some sprinkles. And that is your epic ice cream sundae in 60 minutes or less. We're going to whip it <laughs> So good. much fun. All right, exactly. Becca, thank you for joining us today. Tell everybody where they can order their cooked kits. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me too. This has been so fun. So if you're interested in Cook Kits, you can head over to our website. It's cookkitskitz.com. You can also check us out on social media, Instagram and Facebook. Um, our handles are Cook Kits. And uh, check us out and definitely let us know what you think. And uh, we hope that you get in the kitchen as soon as possible. All right. Thanks, Thanks Becca. All right, so joining us now are highly caffeinated sisters, Lisa and Melissa Gerben of Rako Coffee Roasters. Uh, and uh, ladies, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. We're happy to be here. Yeah, what, tell so, us. Uh, oh, okay. you're going to ask? Okay, you I ask. Well, ahead. because I've already been introduced to their uh, sustainably sourced, locally roasted coffee. Um, so I want to know how the two of you got into the business. I mean, why coffee? Um, so actually, this is, um, I would say this is about 15 years in the making. Um, in high school, Melissa and I went on a family trip to Guatemala, and we had the opportunity to tour a really incredible mountainside coffee farms in Antigua, Guatemala. And we rode mules through the farms as they were har harvesting the coffee, um, learned about the quality control process and the export process. So, of course, it wasn't that linear, but that's when the seed was planted for us. So, and how so old, what, well, wait, 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 how old were you on this trip? I was 16 and you were 17. So you were drinking a lot of coffee already, I see. <laughs> but, like what, so, but now, 15 years later, what, what were the things that you had to do to launch an actual coffee business? Because it's not like the it's not like the field is empty, right? Like there's, you know, it, there's the, the first wave, the second wave, the third wave, there's talk about this being the fourth wave. So like, what was it about what you wanted to do uh, to enter this, this space? Sure, so I actually um, went on to, um, well, we have really unique backgrounds, I would say, but um, I went on to have a professional background in international trade, which is where I met a number of the coffee farmers that we currently import from. So I had that concept in the back of my mind that I wanted to have a, um, a farm to cup coffee roaster. And it just all came together in 2019 when we had the opportunity to vertically integrate the coffee that we were already importing and distributing as green coffee and then develop the roaster with Melissa, who is an SCA certified coffee roaster. Okay, so Melissa, yes. how did you get that accreditation? How did that happen? Um, so um, it was something that I've been interested in for a really long time. Um, I was actually a biology major in college with this emphasis in botany. Um, and then I went on to um, I had like a long background in food and beverage, um, which made me really interested in the flavor uh, compounds in coffee. Um, the really cool thing about coffee is that there's over 800 flavor compounds in them, um, which is actually more than there are in wine, um, which is um, 
Very cool. So these are greatly influenced by terroir. Um, I'm going to interrupt you for just a sec. We have to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about the terroir coffee and the kind of terroir that you found important to put in your coffees. Uh, this is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We're getting caffeinated, really. So we'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Lisa and Melissa Gerben of Rako Coffee Roasters. And uh, ladies, I'm, you know, you guys were talking about terroir, which is a fancy French way of saying dirt. Um, <laughs> but, and obviously where, where you know, the soil in which a plant's grown affects how the, you know, the, the fruit tastes and all of that. But here's my question, because a lot of, you know, I mean, the big chains roast their coffees offsite and then ship it around and they roast it to a certain level because they want to maintain a continuity of taste. But I find a lot of it tastes very harsh and burnt and i won't mention the chain but it's a big one and um i mean you know how did you sort of come up with your your i know you have a roasting technique but did you do focus groups and have people taste you know different sort of approaches to the beans um sort of well we were our own focus group in addition to everyone uh -huh. So um, getting samples of coffee as we were, as I was playing around with the roast profiles. Um, but basically what I do is I take what I know about um, the altitude that the coffee was grown um, because the higher altitude ones have um, much denser beans. They have a higher, they tend to have um, more complex flavors, higher acidity. Um, and then the lower ones tend to- Why is that? Why? Um, because it's, it goes back to terroir, which um, is not just the dirt. It's also <laughs> the elevation, right. the everything. The so, right. Um, so basically, the higher altitude, the more um, strain there is on uh, being the same way that you have with wine. So they grow slower. They're denser. Like There's less oxygen. Just like it would be harder for us. Up you're up you're taking up all my oxygen. No, so, all right. So how does that impact <laughs> the roasting technique? Um, so you, um, or so I basically will sample roast each of the coffees um, and I'll go through and figure out which flavors from those beans I want to draw out because um, the um, beans will they have different um, acidities and those acidities go away at different roast temperatures. Um, and you, I balance the acidity with the, um, the uh, like caramelized flavors from the Maillard reaction, which is the same reaction that you get when you're baking bread or like searing meat, that browning. Uh -huh. Okay. Meat smell. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the different, um, the different coffees that you have, because you have several different varieties and then you, when you order coffee you get this great sort of guide and there's all these different ways to make your coffee so I'm sort of curious do all of your beans work with all the different ways to make coffee like do you recommend like a french press for some coffees versus drip coffee for another like where how does that work sure so um so when we developed this line it was really important to us to keep every kind of coffee drinker in mind. Um, we, have, we have a roast spectrum uh, where each of our products lie and we, have, we tend to roast from medium light to medium dark. And our, we're not really driven by a, a temperature 
or just by the naturally occurring flavors within the coffee and enhancing them. So the, the naturally occurring flavors drives the roast profile rather than the other way around. We won't name names as you right. say. Right. <laughs> they're, they're not an advertiser. We can totally name You it. mean Starbucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so how many different um, blends do you have? How many different? So coffees? right now we have eight and they okay. are, we feature coffees from Ethiopia, Guatemala, Burundi, and Indonesia. And okay. we do... We, um, all of our coffees work with the brewing methods that we've outlined on the brew guides. Mm -hmm. It comes down to, we encourage people to experiment as much as possible and find out what they really like, because ultimately it's a personal decision. It's a personal, you know, it's unique to every person. So, okay, but since the two of you are like the coffee aficionados, how do you brew your coffee? Um, so I prefer to brew my coffee on a Chemex. That's my go-to morning coffee. Mm -hmm. And I actually have one right, right here. Right. Um, They're so pretty. They are. And um, the thing I like about the Chemex is I tend to use, to prefer the medium light coffees on our um, on a, in our product line, like Burundi, our Yerba Chefe Ethiopian coffee. Um, mm -hmm. on the Chemex because those have really delicate flavors. So because the filter is so thick um, that you use for the Chemex, it results in a really clean cup that filters out the oil. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of those floral and um, tea-like flavors. So you would probably like those things. Prefer that, yeah. I mean, I do love the taste of coffee. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, I used to drink it all the time, but I just don't drink it regularly now. But it is... I, I totally get the complexities of it, just mm -hmm. especially compared to wine. Like I, you can really taste notes of different things uh, yeah. in any different cup of coffee uh, other than a mass produced. Yeah, she, you know what she, I mean? She used to drink coffee. And then when we got married, she started doing shooters of whiskey for some <laughs> some reason. I don't really. You can mix the two. Mm. Yes, coffee is delicious <laughs> with whiskey. Mm. All right. Um, I, Oh, go ahead. All right. Well, all right. I mean, I guess the other question I have is how often do you have to travel to the farms where the beans are grown? I mean, are you in Ethiopia and Burundi all the time to check on the beans? So we prefer to go at least once a year, but right now that is not possible. Right, of course. Right. Um, we are in communication with our suppliers. So um, right now, fortunately, we stocked up on green coffee mm. we won't have to travel anytime soon which works out so <laughs> where do you do your roasting the roaster is in lorton virginia like right by springfield um mm -hmm. and we chose that just for um space and all right well but, can but people... you guys always have a charity component too right or you have Yes. Um, so we are um, currently, it was a priority for us when we started to have a, a local and a global impact. And so locally, when we launched the online store, we chose the Power of 10 um, crowd, crowdfunding initiative by Chef Eric Brunner-Yang because, because so many, when has an extensive background in food and beverage, I have experience in the industry. Most of our team does, and 
a lot of our friends work in food and beverage. So it was just really close to our hearts to just do something for the industry, give back to both the restaurants and the, um, the people impacted by COVID that lost their jobs through no fault of their own. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we had so Eric I- a couple of weeks ago. This thing is really growing outside the Washington area too. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good cause. So why don't you guys tell us, I think we're good for time. Um, Why don't you guys tell us uh, how we can find your coffee? Because I know you were supposed to do a brick and mortar, which is on hold. It is. We're actively looking for spaces now. Um, Mm -hmm. We are hoping to do a pop-up very soon. Um, (laughs) We're we're on the hunt for brick and mortar locations. Okay. So tell everybody how they can find Uh, your coffee and uh, order it. Sure. So right now it's available. All eight of our coffees are available online at ricocoffee.com. We're still offering free shipping in the DC metro or DC area. Um, Mm -hmm. So Maryland, DC, Virginia. Um, And we're also available. We're picking up new, um, new retailers on, and actively adding more. So you can find us at Maketo, Shopkeepers, Lost and Found, Arlington Brew Shop, and Pow Pow. And soon, I, th- I believe, starting next week, Neighborhood Provisions. Oh, oh fantastic. All right, well, good for you guys. Um, obviously, we'd like you to stay in touch with us as your business blossoms. Um, hopefully, uh, you'll have a brick and mortar or a place to have a brick and mortar very soon. Uh, again, just give the website one more time. It's RaycoCoffee.com. It's R-A-K-O. Great. Thank you both. So we want to thank all of our guests for joining us today on in the Beast. It was really uh, a terrific show. And you can find this on the list or you want uh, And don't forget to always follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I will keep you up to date on everything happening in the DC food and wine community from fabulous coffee that you can order to amazing charities to every virtual and event uh, happening, uh, openings, et cetera. David, Wait, I, I want, yes, I want to be followed too. Okay, go ahead. Well, I, you can't because I'm not on anything. <laughs> okay. Oh, well. Again, thank you to everybody for joining us today. And all of you out there, please be safe, wear a mask, And I think I can finally start saying it back again. Have a delicious week.